not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Welcome to the Pursue Hard Things 0400 podcast. This podcast will cover a wide range of topics. My hope is to share some of my personal experiences, thoughts, ideas, and opinions to help all of us improve. This is a take it or leave it kind of podcast. Take what you need and leave the rest behind or share what you think others might need to hear with them. You may find that you leave something behind and later find that you need it for yourself. Either way, the goal is to help each other get the very best out of life, to thrive and not merely survive. I'm Sean McFadden, a patriot, a father, grandfather, and a husband of almost 30 years. I love God, family, America, and Jeeps. I have spent my life in the service of others and hope to use this platform in continuance of that service. I once heard Les Brown say, You don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great. So let's get started. For those of you not familiar with Pursue Hard Things, you're welcome to go out to my website, take a look at the videos, visit my YouTube channel, uh, and see my daily Instagram posts. But I'm just trying to do my part. I'm trying not to waste my miracle. So why is the podcast called the Pursue Hard Things 0400 podcast? Uh, A few years back, prior to the pandemic, sometime in 2018, I had a lot of things going on on the family front in the career front, and it made it hard to keep a lot of some of the emotional baggage that I had gathered throughout my career. It made it hard for me to keep that from spilling out into other aspects of my life. Uh, My wife, Didi, has been by my side for almost 30 years now, and when she tells me that something's going on, I have to believe her. And I say that because prior to my aneurysm in 09, which was in June, in that April, we went out on a, a getaway. We went to Prague, a couple hours drive from us at the time. And we were sitting in the hotel lobby there. And I remember clearly, uh, she said, hey, you really need to slow down. And I thought, no, I'm good. I was pushing hard. I was in a very busy office. We were working, all working very hard. And I said, I'm fine. And she said, no, I, I think you need to slow down. And what I would tell you, she could see what I couldn't see. And a lot of times it takes somebody from the outside to see it. And my lesson or my message to many of you is when someone that loves you tells you that you are struggling or they see something different or you seem to be having a hard time, believe them, listen to them. They are telling you the truth because they love you. I just sort of shoved it off and probably about a year later, sometime after the aneurysm, we were preparing for a trip and I had to get new passport photos taken. And prior to the trip to Prague, I had photos taken for international driver's license. And Didi was in the process of putting these pictures away, these passport, the extra passport pictures you get. And she found the pictures from April of 2009. And I was sitting in the office sitting in my office and I remember her throwing this sort of flinging this photo booklet at me and she says see see what I mean see what I was talking about and I looked at the pictures and and if you look at the picture from April of 2009 my eyes were sunk in my bags were terrible my bags are still terrible but you could see visibly I was not doing really well so again that's my lesson for you on that is that when someone close to you tells you you may need to slow down or that something's going on, or they see something, trust them. 
So she told me sometime in 2018, when I was struggling with a lot of different things, she said, you need to see someone. And I had gone to therapists in the past and counselors in the past, and they simply would talk to you and say, oh, okay, whatever. But at this particular point, I needed someone. I needed something. So uh, I called the crisis hotline. They directed me to just go and walk into the VA clinic. So I walked into the VA hospital and I walk in and I see the nurse and I say, she's like, oh, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I was told I could walk in here. Uh, I need to talk to somebody. She said, okay, have a seat. So I'm sitting in the lobby and I'm waiting for some time. And this doctor, I guess he's a psychologist or psychiatrist, I don't know, but she comes out and she is explaining to the nurse that there's nobody available to see me. She's busy and everybody's busy and, you know, just, oh, it's just overwhelming. And the nurse is saying, well, he called the hotline. And I'm sitting there listening to this conversation and the doctor then comes up to me and she says, what do you need? Do you need medicine? You need to say, what, what, what do you need? And I said, I don't know if I need medicine. That's your job. I need to talk to somebody and somebody can tell me. And so she says, uh, well, we, we don't have anybody available to see you. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't think I was standing up at that time. But then I stood up and I said, now I know why 22 veterans a day commit suicide. And she just sort of looked at me and the nurse looked at me and then I walked out. And she said, no, no, sir, we can see you. And I said, no, and I just kept on walking. And I went to um, went right to the patient advocacy's office. But eventually I got a phone call from someone saying, hey, we'd like to get you set up some provider, private provider. Uh, that was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. I, I got this very great, I call her doctor, but she was a great counselor, therapist, whatever you want to call her. But she was awesome and she specialized in uh, dealing with first responders. And she actually made me do work that helped me resolve a lot of past trauma. And I and I call it, I call it other people's trauma because when you're in the uh, first responder or you're in the law enforcement criminal investigative world, you tend to see a lot of stuff and you deal with a lot of people's stuff. You will be touched in some way by this. We all at some point have to find a way to deal with it. And I had been really good about compartmentalizing that stuff for years. I mean, I've, I've told the stories, you know, I've walked in crime scenes for hours over bodies and not had any problems. Uh, and I went on for years after that and not had problems. But I did notice I was getting to a point where uh, I was reaching my limit to the point when it, that when I retired from active duty, I did not seek out jobs that would put me in a place where I had to deal with bodies and process those again and, and go to that. I tried to be very mindful of that. I just knew um, my meter was, was pegged out. I just didn't want to do that anymore. But this doctor, she put me through the paces, made me do a lot of work on myself. And it was a two-year process. And in that process, she said, hey, well, you know, what do you do? What sort of activities are you doing? And and I wasn't as active. I was playing a little racquetball and I started to ruck mornings and afternoons and evenings. So I would ruck in the morning before I left to work. I would go to work. I would come back, ruck again. And I found it as a great way to allow me to sort of relieve the stress prior to my, my ruck. So I would get up, get a little bit of meditation, get some scripture, some meditation, prayer, and then I would go for my ruck marches and I would come back in. And I did this for two years, actually. And it was the best thing I could have done. And it tremendously changed my life. And uh, I got in great shape, felt like I was able to keep everything in the right places. Um, but it was a long process. While I was going through that, I would wake up in the mornings, and I still do sometimes, but I would wake up regularly at zero four. 
And whatever at that time, whatever was on my heart, I would write about. So I just thought how appropriate to call it the 0400 podcast because that's the time. And to this day, when I post, uh, I don't do pursue hard things post in advance. I wake up in that morning and whatever is on my heart is what I post. And I post daily on Instagram. So getting back to PTSD, because I talked about this uh, May as Mental Health Awareness Month, talked about the PTSD counseling, but that was a long process. That was two years, two years of intense therapy, and it ended during the pandemic. And I was very thankful for two things in going through this counseling process with my doctor. I was also going through the VA claims process. If you haven't done that and you're doing it for PTSD, it's a it can be a very hard thing to do by yourself. And I told my my doctor and I even told, I told the VA doctor and I said, look, uh, I'm thankful that I was in a counseling program at the time because I had to go back to 1991, my entry into the military and go back to the first time we lost a service member at my first unit when my team leader was later killed after leaving service. I had to recall and recount all of those incidents, uh, riots, traffic accidents, fatal TAs, uh, rapes, murders, you name it. And you have to walk through and you have to document all that as you're doing your, your claim with the VA. And if you're not in a program, you're doing it by yourself. So you're starting to pull at a lot of those old scabs and old wounds and old trauma that you may have buried or you were successfully able to compartmentalize. And that might cause those things to start to stir again. So I was thankful for that in that respect. The other thing, uh, I was just thankful that as the world was changing in a response to the pandemic, that I was in a good place at that time. So I wasn't trying to deal with this unresolved trauma and deal with the world changing all the unknowns of the pandemic. So very thankful for that. Well, during that time, I was reading some books, facilitating some coursework, some leadership courses and business acumen. And I ran across this guy named Dr. Amon. And Dr. Amon has a bunch of books and he, I would say he advocates for studying of the brain and scanning of the brain when people are experiencing mental health issues. And this is not a paid sponsorship by any means, but I will tell you, I would recommend his books and I would recommend you look at his his work. Um, he has clinics around the country and I found it to be very helpful to me. There's something he talks about that he refers to them as ants. Uh, automatic negative thoughts. And he says one thing that they should teach you very early on is you don't have to believe every negative thought that runs through your mind. You don't have to believe that. He calls them ants, but he has a book, a couple of books. One's called The End of Mental Illness, and I, I highly recommend it. Lots of good information there. That one meant a lot to me, and it was great to have that as a tool as I worked through that and then going through the pandemic. And I, I found it the therapy that I went through and the new knowledge I was gaining by going through these books to help other people uh, in the time of crisis during the pandemic. I had always known, I think most of us know the link between physical fitness and mental health. The saying goes, strong body, strong mind. And that's very true. Being physically fit helps you endure the stresses of combat the stresses of what we do as law enforcement officers, what we do as criminal investigators, fitness matters. So if you got your your body, if you can keep your body fit, that'll help you keep your mind strong as you're dealing with these traumas. And so I'm thankful for that too. Realizing that link and how much that had to do with my recovery 
was key. And then as I look at other people, I think we make the mistake as we transition from military service where we're very active and some of us forced on us, some of us do it on our own, and then somewhere there's some in the middle. But the point is, a lot of us retire and then we go right from active to sedentary lifestyles, right? And in that process is where we start to struggle because now we don't have to, we don't have to get up to do PT or nobody's forcing us to do this, nobody's forcing us to do that. We can make our own schedule. We can do what we want to do. We can drink what we want to drink when we want to drink it. We can eat what we want to eat when we want to eat it. You name it. And within a few months of separation, we've put on a few pounds. And I know I'm speaking from a personal experience is what happens. What you forget is you, if you don't realize it, is that physical activity that was helping you keep a lot of things together. Like you had a process, you had a plan, you had a, a very regimented schedule, and then you go from very regimented routine stuff to this life where everything sort of falls out of whack. And if you don't, get it together fast enough, you'll suffer. And I was thankful. I, I retired and went right into a civilian job and then transitioned back over to CONUS and went back to work. Not as regimented as I am now, but still very much get up early, get my workouts in, get to work, put in a good solid day's work, get back and relax. And then I realized, okay, that was good, but it wasn't enough. I needed to really go back to pushing myself, to suffering, to doing the hard things. And that is what got me here today. I wasn't getting the sort of excitement, right? There's something that happens when the phone rings and it's go time and you got to go out and respond or you got to go to a crime scene and you have to do this or you never know when that's going to come. And uh, But there's a kick that comes with that, a little bit of adrenaline rush, if you will, um, as you're going out doing that, react and responding, and then you become a civilian. You don't have that anymore. And then you have to figure out, okay, well, how do I get that? Well, I found I could get that by pushing myself, continuously pushing myself. I didn't have to go out and skydive and do crazy stuff. I would just go out and do things I enjoyed. I would go out shooting, just being very active. Decided I wanted to play golf. I said when I retired, I was going to play golf. And then I didn't do it for about 10 years. This year, I recommitted to make sure that I'm out there playing more regularly and just being active again, just not sitting on the couch, allowing whatever trauma wants to creep in. Um, I'm not going to try to outrun the trauma. I've, I've dealt with it. I've put that to bed. And again, uh, fitness has been key in that. I'd spend a lot of time with my ruck out on the, the roads. It's a lot of personal time, quiet time for me. Uh, I'm up early before sun's up and it just feels like it's just me alone in the world and I can just process things. By going out when I'm out in the morning at that time, it's very familiar to me and I feel at peace. Just me, the Lord, my thoughts, that's it. That's all I need. That gets my day going. And so I'll talk about what I think. And of course, these are Sean's opinions. I would tell you what I noticed. I noticed a lot of people, a lot of service members that suffer with PTSD um, or unresolved trauma, whatever it is. A lot of people drink. That's it. it it's kind of something we grow up with. Uh, in some cases, part of the military culture. And that drinking then becomes some sort of a crutch or some sort of coping mechanism for a lot of people. And it's great when when you're when you're up and you're good time Charlie and everything's going well, but when you're down, 
and you can't really control and you're going through that depression and you can't control where those thoughts are going, that's really bad. And I think it creates, it makes it just that much harder to be able to cope with some of that unresolved trauma. We have to break that alcohol tie and just say, let me work through this, process through this sober, right? And if that becomes a challenge and you're in his heart, you find it hard to get sober, then there's help and there's resources out there to do that. And I understand that. I, I understand it all too well. So if you need the resources, don't be afraid to ask for the help. If you need help when it comes to uh, your post-traumatic stress or your mental health, don't be afraid to ask for help. There's nothing weak about it. Again, you know, I'm not sitting here. I'm telling you, I've been through this. I've lived it. I've come through it. And uh, you can do the same thing. So no need to struggle out there alone or feel like you're on this planet alone. No, you're the only one. You're not. Several of us have been through it and many more will continue to go through it as the years go by. It just is what it is. And you're strong enough to beat it. Just know that. I tell people, you know, you're you're stronger than you think you are. I mean, you've already survived 100% of the things that were trying to kill you up to this point. So you're pretty tough. That's all I got for you for now. But I want you to get up, go out, continue the pursuit of hard things. This is Mac. Out.